Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. It's Thursday night, and this week we are doing a host's chat. My name is Sean Benson. I'm one of your hosts, and I get so excited by these nights because, first off, I always get to chip in a little more, which I, I never mind. You know, it puts me on the spot a little and in front of my senses, and I get to think out loud a bit with all of you, but I also really love it because we throw our cameras on you, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the housekeeping notes, but you know, it's really great to just sort of make it more of a big round table uh, and less of a single focus on a guest. Those are great, but I always love returning to these to check in with who we're doing this with in the first place and why. Um, our first ever guest uh, who became one of our co-hosts as a result of just such a free, relaxed and flowing chat. And also it's an honor for us to have him as part of the Legacy Shore and Rue family is Sensei Nicholas Suino. I get to introduce him every week. You know, he is... He's just got a Palmares, 8th Dan Iido, 6th Dan Jiu-Jitsu, 6th Dan uh, Judo, and one of my favorite people to just hang and chat with. This show has just made me bond with him in a way that real life is not allowed, and we are just talking before the cameras about how explosive it's going to be in terms of just sheer love and joy, uh, and obviously the martial arts when we actually get to get together. How are you doing tonight, Sensei Suino? I'm great, Sean. Great to see you virtually. Thanks mm. for that introduction, as always, and I can't wait to find time to hang out. I know it's going to happen yeah. in January. If it can happen sooner, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Things are going good here. J-Mac is rocking. Japanese Martial Arts Center, one of the sponsors of this show. It falls to me each and every time we do this show to introduce Sensei Randy Dauphin. You guys on the call virtually all know him, I'm sure. Seventh down in karate, fourth down in Iaido. Uh, frequent competitor, successful competitor in many settings, all around great guy. Randy, how are you, man? Good, you know. Yeah, thanks. Um, a simple, elegant, and great introduction. I love it. Everybody could take a note from that. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, having you and Sensei Legacy here. I think it's going to be kind of like an epic. I look at that seminar that we're going to do where you're going to teach the ground stuff. Sense Legacy is going to teach stand-up stuff. Then on day two, Sense Legacy is going to teach some white crane. You're going to teach them the Ido. I feel like this is kind of like if you want to get involved in it, it's going to be one of those things where we're probably going to be pushing this out for a number of years and mm. working together to do this. And uh, I think we're whatever realm you're happy with, you like being on the ground, you're going to learn something about stand-up. You like standing up, you're going to learn something on the ground. And in the end, you're going to be better off once we do this. That's on the 22nd, 23rd. But I also am looking forward to coming there December 18th and hanging out at JMAC, giving Madam Suino the biggest squeeze that she's had for me in her lifetime that we've known each other. I might even like slip a disc. I'm going to squeeze her so hard. <laughs> it'd be great to see erica i can't wait and uh might do some christmas shopping while i'm on that side of the border too right so thanks for that introduction for me every week i get to introduce sense of legacy and uh i say some similar things and i try and say different things but sense of legacy is a 10th degree black belt uh he's been inducted into the canadian black belt hall of fame he's an author uh, he's a student of Harold Warden, Benny Allen, Richard Kim, Anthony Sandoval, who's the person who gave him his 10th pen. Also a student of yours, Sensus, you know, you graded him to a showdown in Iido, uh, rightly so. And uh, just quick and simple, I want to say, um, Sensus Legacy was here this week. 
he taught some private loose lessons to a couple of my brown belts, which I'm always grateful that he'd come in and teach them. And uh, before he left, we went out for a coffee, came back, we just sat and chatted. He gave me a big hug. We gave each other a hug and he said, I love you, Randy. And I said, I love you too, Sensei. And that being able to reach that level with your instructor or with a student where you can say that to each other, that's a different level than most people reach. So I'm really grateful that I don't care what the ranks are. I'm really grateful that I've gotten to the level where I can say, my sensei can say to me, I love you. And I can say, I love you back. So that's my uh, introduction for Sensei Legacy. And I want to say that uh, both uh, Benson and Sensei Serino, you guys know, I love you guys too. You know, like the love is real. So, um, and I'm happy that the four of us have this thing going and we have these feelings for each other. Um, and it's all like rooted in martial arts, right? Like that's the thing that yeah. brought us all together and got us moving down this path. So how are you doing tonight, Sensei? I'm good, thanks. That was a great, that was a great Thursday. <laughs> Another great Thursday. Um, so I'll, t I'll, I'll take the reins and just talk about, you know, just how the show works tonight. If you're new to this host chat, uh, the way this works a little different than when we have guests is when you ask a question, we want to put the camera on you. We want you as part of this show. And then you're going to ask your question of us and we'll have a little bit of a chat about it. We might ask you what you think of your own question. Maybe not. We'll see how that goes. Robert just slammed up the, uh, the red dot down at your chat button at the bottom of the screen. And uh, obviously we'd love to have you. But if you're uncomfortable in any way or you can't be on camera for some reason, we get it. And then uh, we'll just ask the question for you. But we, we, we'd prefer to see you on the camera if, if you can all, at all pull that off. Look at me. I mean, I kind of I made a decision tonight to go a little more chill. Hosts chat are always a little more chill for me. I, I've known these gentlemen for over you know 20 years, every one of them. And, and I love them as well, the way Sensei Dolphin talked about. Uh, there's a point to that, though. Tell me, no, let me know if you love it or you hate it. Let me know in the comments on the YouTube channel you go rewatch this on. Let me know in the comments after you subscribe and hit like and comment. Let me know in the podcast you listen to what you think. Wait, why is he in his basement with guitars behind him? That doesn't seem martial. Um, you know what I'm saying is uh, as we shift things up, engage with us. We're really excited about that, especially on the host's night. And as we always say, you're going to hear some language, maybe. You're going to hear some stories, maybe, that uh, you don't feel are for your ears. That's fine. Drop off the call for 12 seconds. Pop back in like you're an FBI person listening in on a wiretap and see if you like better what you hear next. It'll work for you, I promise. I also want to say that we are running a sponsorship program on the show now. We did that with Don Warner for a little while. And tonight, the show is sponsored by Legacy Shore and Rue and Japanese Martial Arts Center. And the way it fundamentally is going to work is, you know, if you want to get the word out about any of your club, if you want to get the word out about any merchandise you have, Sensei Legacy, Sensei Suino, they might pop on some of your swag. Sensei Dauphin, um, remind me for a sec. If somebody wants you to wear their shirt, are you going to wear their shirt? The, the, I, the wear any, I wear a punch kick choke chat shirt. I'll wear a legacy shirt and shirt. I'll wear a J Mac shirt. Great. If you got a million, so, if you got a million dollars and you want to sponsor this show, you might be able to get me to wear your shirt, but it's a long <laughs> shot. It's a long shot. A million isn't what it used to be, is it? Um, <clears> so <throat> yeah, if somebody wants to sponsor the show with $1 million, let's see what happens. Let's see if we can get them there, but I don't think it's going to work. Um, a million five. <laughs> We'll see. So anyways, I just want to throw all that out there, but uh, we really appreciate your support. And uh, we're just going to jump into the chat right now.
So who's going? You want me to ask the first question? Do it. Please. Please. Yeah, so, so my first thing that I like to discuss a little bit is uh, previous guests that we've had. We've had a lot and we've had some amazing people on so far. Like, I mean, really the who's who's been on. Um, and I'm curious to know who stands out in your mind as a person or who said something that maybe jumped out at you uh, that you've thought about since that you want to share. And I guess, Benz, I'll start with you. We'll go in reverse order tonight. Like, I'll start with you, Benz, and then we'll go to Sense mm -hmm. and then I'll go to Sense Legacy, and then I'll, I'll provide some context, but it's my question, so I've had more time to think. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, this might seem like I'm cheating a little bit, but I'm not. You know, I knew we were going to be talking about this, and I went and looked back at our list of guests, and first off, holy shit, like, wow. Like, I forget sometimes some of the people we've talked to. And I forget sometimes how many of them we've talked to. And I'm just so, uh, I, again, honored is a word I overuse on the show, but I'm so pleased and honored to, to, to be like, holy shit, I get, to, I get to be a part of that. Um, but when I think about our, our guest, you know, Brad Jones, um, Sensei Jones, like so much of what he talked about uh, moving through the experiences he had and having to find a way to set them down. I mean, that for me is so significant in my life because it's not, I, I mean, I, I talk about sobriety a lot on the show, but it's also the template for moving forward in anything. You know, aging is something where I'm clocking that mid forties burn in my joints and I'm starting to go, yeah, you have to set down what you thought you were at age 21 or at age 28. You know, there's certain shifts, um, but also in terms of moving forward spiritually healthy. You know, when I started karate at age 18 and Hanchi Legacy talked about Zen flesh, Zen bones and the spiritual side of this, I was hooked. I needed that. And, uh, 28 years later, when I think about things like um, how to be in the moment, it involves setting down my resentments. And most of my resentments come from situations I created. And they come from ways that I'm treating myself inside my own head. And when I can go outward and go, hey, Sensei Dolphin, I am sorry to you for all those times I lied to you. I own all of them this is years ago, I did this with you as an example, I get to move forward without fearing that you might discover something about me. And then I get to let that voice in the head go a bit. And so when he talked about that stuff in relation to his prison time and why he had to write the book so that he could just look forward, or at least look at today forward, I'm not sure there's much I've related more to um, because of my obvious journey that, that parallels it. So, so I'm going I'm to go with that one for now, Sensei. Awesome. So it's Sweeno. Man, the list is long. I've just been so blown away by the conversations we've had. You know, sometimes they're very factual. We talk about history. Uh, and then there's this wonderful arc of personal development that people go through. Uh, but for me, I think one of the classic lines on this show was and always will be uttered by one of our hosts, Hanchi Legacy who said, if you haven't done martial arts for 30 years, you're, <laughs> you're a quitter. <laughs> because not only was it amazing at the time, it stopped us all in our tracks, but I think we've repeated that mm. in every episode since then. Yeah. With good reason. So it's just a, it's a classic. It's going to go on the, on the um, Punch Kick Choke Chat Hall of Fame. Yeah. Wall, wall of Fame, for sure. 
Mr. Spiro, when did you come back from uh, Japan? I can't remember. I was thinking about Sense of Legacy's line in 30 years or you're a quitter. When did you come back from Japan? I came back in 1992. And when... Um, and I think it was in 92 that you actually, you and Sense of Legacy, like it was right when you came back, right? That you... Was it when I returned or was it on one of my summer visits back? Was I was it in 91 or 92 that we met? I don't remember. It, well, in 91 or 92. If it was 91, even better. But for sure, it was around 92, right? That you were in Aldhouse College teaching Iaido. And so Sense of Legacy and I next year get to say we're not quitters in Iaido. Mm, wow. It'll oh. be... Next year it'll be uh, it'll be 2022, and we get to say that we've trained with you for 30 years. Next so year, and we're not quitters at the Ido. You're trying to put me on the spot, aren't you? Well, you quit <laughs> right after that. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. Sensei Legacy, what uh, thoughts do you have from the guests that we've had in the past? Like, what things stand out to you? The things that stand out to me the most are guys like Bill Hind and Rick Josland and, you know, those, those persons that uh, back in our, year, our younger days where we all really liked to fight each other, these guys would, they just looked to rip anything off of your bones that you had. These guys were mm. tough, mean guys. When you talk to Billy Hines, he just looked at he didn't say anything. He just looked at you, and you started getting scared from these guys. And it, the biggest thing that I found, and this is from martial arts, the biggest thing that I found from those guys was that they did a complete 180. And Rick Johnson said something like, "You know, take some of your time across the street and say hello to a neighbor or somebody going by." or help them, mm. and you'll see how much life gives back to you. And I find that, above all, the biggest thing that I take away from, just uh, really learning. You know, you go through that stage and then, because you know, it's a sport, you have a good time doing it. But after that, you learn that, you know, peace and love and all that is really the right way to go. And I think martial arts is a, is a military art in order to protect yourself and other people. So martial arts is really a peaceful thing. Thanks, that's it. You know, I think uh, one of the things I would say, I can't believe how many times the YMCA has come up in the last 53 episodes. The mm -hmm. YMCA has come up so many times that they should almost get a plaque for starting so many martial artists journeys. Another thought that I have is that the perception of what a martial artist is, like I think if you asked an uneducated person what a martial artist is, they would think a tough person who's like, a great, like they would have all these base words to it. But what I've noted is that when you come out the other side of that, as you said, since Lacey, when you do that 180, I challenge anybody to go watch any of our episodes and say that any of the guests we've talked to is a dummy. They're not smart. 
They're not intelligent. They're not well-spoken. They don't have deep thoughts. They all do like everybody. Um, but for me, the ones that stand out like um, are often ones that I didn't expect to necessarily, right? Like Liam Paul Masters, Paul Martin, Al Panekia. These are people I never knew before. And then we interviewed them and I'm like, I was blown away by the stuff that they had to say and contribute. Um, yep. As far as the words that, that resonate with me would be things like, uh, you the same one as you, Sensei. See, when Sensei Jocelyn said, um, you know, when Benson asked him, what are you like, greatest achievement, greatest regret? And he said, for achievement was, I'm proud that I'm the kind of man that another man would walk across the street and say hello to. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Like, yeah. just think about that statement. Like, if you're that type of a human being in today's society, that's an awesome thing. Like, I think about that all the time. Um, uh, Hanchi Burkowski said about great things never come from comfort zones, right? Like that was a statement that he made. I wrote it on the wall over there and I look at it all the time when I feel uncomfortable, I think about it. Mm. Um, and you know, since like see you and I were talking about it, when Sensei Demora said about, you know, there's a brotherhood of, in karate and we could just expand that to martial arts, right? And he said, I think of all the karate people as my family, even you guys. And like, that's true, right? Like instantly we're gonna give anybody more credit if they say I'm a karate person, we're instantly gonna trust them a little more. We're gonna think a little highly, more highly of them. And I mm -hmm. gotta say, I'm super proud that uh, getting to meet Jean-Yves Terrio and talk to him was pretty cool on this show. That stands out for me, probably because he's a personal hero of mine. Mm -hmm. And I'm super proud that uh, we had the chance to talk to Hanchi uh, Billy Hines and Monty mm. Chuck Merriman, like those two stand out in my mind, those last two. Um, it makes me feel like we actually did do something worthwhile when I mentioned those two names. But if nothing else comes of this, it was worthwhile yeah. that we did this just to have talked to those two people. Since imagine, I just add, yeah, sorry, Hanchi. Just imagine if we, we could have sat here and watched Matsumura and Itosu. Just imagine that. Like I, I see them in my mind now, but how great that would be to actually hear them say stuff. So I do believe that your idea is a good idea. Thanks, that's it. I was just gonna add to the idea that great things never come from comfort zones. One of the ones that's really stuck with me, and I mean, at least once a week, uh, Sensei Freeze, James Freeze, um, you know, talking about going to train and then his lungs and he has to like lie on the ground and hack up. And, you know, I remember asking him really about that during the interview. And I think about that at least once a week when I'm struggling in a workout, you know, even right now, I'm trying to get as many mountain bike rides before the weather goes away and I'll be climbing stuff. I have no business climbing uphill and my lungs are burning and I think I'm going to quit. And I just think of sensei freeze and I go, he wouldn't stop doing karate today he'd get up and do it again. And, and, and so for me, that's a real specific thing that has been such a training help. And I mean, we have so many types of motivation around us, but when you talk to a man and he tells you his story, I bond more one-on-one -on -one to a story than somebody's Facebook post or somebody's, um, you know, quote, even if the quote's great, but when, when you hear him tell it, 
I was like, damn. So that one really stuck with me in a way that's helped me with my training a lot. How about Hunchy Terry and Sweat Equity? <laughs> that was another good one. Yeah. I've heard that one now a number of times too, right? Sweat Equity. Yeah. But, you know, I also think about that. And I think about when Hunchy Terrian talked about when his dojo burnt down, but his belt didn't burn. What in the hell is going on there? You hang your black belt on the back of a door, your old dojo burns down, and somebody hands you your black belt after it's all <laughs> said and done. That's so weird. <laughs> God saying your journey with that ain't done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How about Ken Talek, right? Who was a kid, you know, wandering around, get steps off a train and sees a martial arts school in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you talk. You know, God says, "Here, son, you're home. Right. Get yeah. busy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go make karate better." Right. Yeah, I think this train is moving in your direction. You should get on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, Randy, how about the time in Tokyo, right, when you had that horrible hip thing going on, and we go to the we go to the temple and we're standing there, and you go, "What do we do here?" And I said, "Well, this is you know, this is where you pray, and here's how you do it." And you didn't tell me what you prayed for, right? But, you know, but a hundred steps later, your hip, your hip was cured. That was amazing. Yeah, there's two, there's two times in my life that stuff, like really weird stuff like that has happened. One was when Sensei Legacy and I were fighting with Charlie Kirby and Wayne Bear in Port Stanley. We were in a high school gymnasium fighting and it was in the summertime. So the school was closed down and we were fighting away and then since like he said okay we're going to take 10 minutes and i said to wayne bear where's the water fountain in this school and he said you go down around the corner there and i went out into the and i'm looking around and there's no bloody water fountain and i literally i vocally said out loud god i do anything for a drink right now and i heard and i looked over and a pop and a pop fell out of the pop machine and i'm curious and I, do you remember since Legacy? Because I brought oh. it in and I explained that. And Charlie Kirby was like, that's a bunch of bullshit. And since Legacy came to my defense, he said, well, what I would say to you is, Randy doesn't look like he has any change on him to buy a pop. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and number two, if he did have change to buy a pop, I don't think he'd buy a grape pop. Right? <laughs> and I remember we all took a sip of it and I was like, whatever is up there that gave me that pop in that moment. Thank you for that. And then the one you're talking about is I remember we were at Meiji temple and I limped in. It was like about a 20 minute walk from the, from the train stop to where you pray. We walked for 20 minutes. And I remember a couple of times you said, we should go back to the hotel. You're obviously in pain. And I was like, well, I'm going to be in pain for the rest of this trip. And I, I washed my hands. I, clapped my hands, I bowed, I threw the change in, and I said, please let my ass stop hurting. <laughs> I literally <laughs> in my head. And then we, then we got in trouble from the police because I took a picture and I wasn't supposed to take a picture. So the cops gave us some shit. And then as we were walking, it just went away. I started walking normally. <laughs> and I, you said to me, hey, you're not limping. And I was like, actually, when we were in there, I prayed. <laughs> and so that, that was it. That's badass. Sorry, that was a run-on for the two two moments in my life when God appeared for some strange reason. Did you, you ever think with the pop one? Than I did. 
Yeah. With the pop, did you ever think, fuck, God just granted me a wish. Now I got to be religious over a grape soda. <laughs> right. <laughs> Of everything I could ask for that he was going to give me that moment. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm happy that those two moments happened. Yeah, right. right? Like, I mean, I'm super grateful that they happened. Uh, yeah, I'm well, also you... super grateful that I was aware that they happened and I didn't just walk past them without noting them. Yeah. Well, you, know, you know, they say, right, that you, you might run into Jesus on the street and not recognize him these days, right? You know, if it's great pop, if that's what it is, man, that's the sacrament for you, right? Right. Yep. I love that. If it's great pop, man. Um, mm -hmm. I love what you just said though, Sensei, like you can miss the signs, right? Like, you know, we, there's so many things to be grateful for that we can miss or we can be grateful for them. And then all of a sudden more things show up. That's my experience. Mm. Uh, so a student in here asked that question the other day. They said, what they asked me is a white belt. What do you think the most important moment was or significant moment? And I said, well, all the ones that got me here. Mm. Because if any one of them didn't happen, I wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be talking about this. So like, you know, Matsumura standing in front of Sakugawa saying, I won't disappoint you, right? Itosu choosing to fight the, the in Japan to prove karate, right? And take it out of secrecy and teach it publicly. Funakoshi leaving and going to Japan and teaching in Japan. Sense of Legacy going in, getting nervous, leaving, coming back again. Like if any of those moments are the other 100,000 moments that string together, we're not chatting tonight. Yeah. Yep. And one idea for me with gratitude that really unlocked, like literally the key to moving forward with some of the stuff I was talking about is being grateful for things I don't like, even if I... Like, I don't know why bad things might happen, but I just say, thank you. And what that means is that I don't know what's best for me always. And if, if I'm only grateful for things that go my way, basically I'm negotiating with the universe. And if the universe doesn't give me what I want, it's flawed. Uh, versus just going, I don't know why I have a sprained thumb right now, but thank you. And then who knows what's going to come of it, but it means that I'm aligned with what's up. I can tell you how it happened, but I don't know why it happened. <laughs> But that really unlocked for me being okay with things that I don't even like. Everything's an opportunity to be your best self, right? Whether it's good or bad. You know, how do you, how do you respond? That's, you know, I mean, that's a cliche now, right? But life's only 10% what happens to you. It's 90% how you respond. The old, if you meet three assholes by noon, it might be you. <laughs> you know, it's so at JMAC, I don't do it much anymore, but, uh, you know, if we're working out, if we're warming up for class, you know, there's 20 of us in the room and we're all stretching and 19 of us are facing one way and that one guy's facing the other way. Right. I say, well, <laughs> we have this <laughs> test here at JMAC. <laughs> if you're not sure who the jerk is, <laughs> look around. Yeah. Yeah. Which way are you facing during the warmups? You might be the jerk. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> On they that note, what's yeah. going on? What's going on, Ben's with uh, Toronto? What's going on in Ann Arbor with the dojos? Now that we're, it seems like we've uh, crested the hump. Like, what's going on in the dojos right now? Why don't we throw it to Sensei Suino, and then when he comes back, I'll uh, I'll talk about my club, and then I'll throw it to my student for a question. Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Thanks for asking that. I'm really happy to say JMac is is thriving post pandemic. 
in terms of sheer numbers, we're very close, but not quite back to where we were pre-pandemic, but we have a really solid program. I was telling you guys before the show, our adult judo program has 40 students in it. We crossed that milestone last week. It's the biggest that particular program has ever been. Not all the programs have rebounded that strongly, but um, JMAC's doing great. Our kids are still masking. Uh, we recommend masking for the adults, but not everybody chooses to do that. Uh, but what I would say is our group is just amazing. We just don't have anybody at JMAC right now who you go, really? You know, mm. um, you know, there's new people and advanced people, but everybody's cool. They're all on board with the, with the atmosphere, the culture, and super supportive. So, man, you know, uh, last August, July, August, a year ago, um, I wasn't sure JMAC was going to make it through 2020. Now, given everything I just said, Speaking of grateful, we're in a really good place. The place to be. Yeah. So tell us about uh, tell us about Toronto, Sean. I'm really interested. Yeah, you know, th that. thanks, Senseis, for teeing that up. I, I actually just really want to, like, throw this out. You know, I, I, I've been really proud that we haven't paused training one bit throughout all of COVID, except for that first month where even parks are off limits. But we trained outdoors all winter last year. We trained rain or shine. Like, it didn't matter how deep the snow was. We did class. And uh Eventually that was great, but I also felt like there was a limit with actually how dynamic we could be with our stances and our martial arts and all that kind of stuff. So I started hunting around and we have this amazing partnership right now with Conquer Fitness, which is a gym I used to train at. They just rebranded. Uh, I think they have new owners, but it's even a better space now. So anyways, 2100 Bloor Street West, we're there Monday, Wednesday nights, full on hour and a half classes, eight till 930. Um, and yeah, it's been fabulous. I mean, four heavy bags lining the wall. We got the kettlebells, got the rubber mats that are not too crappy. Like they're perfect for martial arts on the floor. And the other thing, since they're like, we've never had the hugest Toronto club, right? Because as long as I was traveling and leaving for three months at a time, I couldn't really ask white belts to somehow follow this path. But once Alden Adair, my top student, got his black belt, we built a club as of about two, two and a half years ago. And right now we've got 11 students. We added five students during COVID. People watched us in the park and were like, what are you doing there? I want to join that. And they were sort of really happy to be, you know, like the thing we talked about on the show, connected as a community. And then, uh, you know, we fight all the time. We were fighting in that park all the time. And, uh, and obviously all the cotton basics. So I'm super stoked about it. You know, it feels like a real step forward for us. Um, we've already had a student from the, the gym, like a guy from the gym want to join which is really cool because that was part of the point there's windows as you go by for visibility and all the stuff that works for a club so until something changes we're going to be there a long time i think because i love that space it's always going to be a gym it's one of the favorite gyms i've ever worked out in my 30-year gym career so thanks for asking i'm super stoked about it uh and then also you know i just want to throw this to, to jesse jesse's a brown belt in our toronto club Sorry, by the way can I interrupt, Sean, before we go to Jesse? Can we just ask Sense Legacy, like any moment, see through COVID, mm. you know, where things have happened since COVID with Sense Legacy? He's gone and taught seminars. Is anything standing out for you, Sense Legacy, like through COVID and now that we're through COVID before we get to Jesse? Um, not in particular, not anything other than what you guys are saying. That we were lucky. And I think. Um, the thing for us was that we had a lot of mature students, guys that have been with us for 30, 40, 40 some years. And uh, people who are just beginning or, you know, your club really 
uh, is run a lot of times on newer people. Um, and then when COVID hits, then all those people can't see themselves going on, you know, whereas, or hanging on. Whereas our, our people who've been with us 20, 30, 40, 50 years um, knew that this would pass. And we, full, we had full intention of staying open and together. So legacy Shonyu Karate Jitsu as a whole was never threatened. We're always gonna be here because uh, even if we can't afford a dojo, we'll always meet somewhere and train. So that's a good thing about having a lot of mature, advanced students. Yeah. I like that. That's, it's kind of like some of the leaves fell off the tree, but the tree was still great. Like, right? Yeah. And you know, Sean, before we get to Jesse, mm -hmm. I want to remind this group that some of the things we did do through COVID, right? Like, this group did some pretty like powerful things during COVID. Like, think about World Martial Arts Live. Well, yeah. Right, yeah. like we, we did that as a group. All of us instructed, we all brought teachers. Um, that was a huge event. Like, yeah, and like yourself, Sean, for me, um, this dojo here where I thought it was gonna close, like since Suno said, I, there was a point when I was like, okay, I'm gonna close the door and just start again in the future. Like we're gonna mm -hmm. take a step backwards before we move forward again. Um, I'm really proud that the black belts here just said, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> that might be what you're thinking, but that's not what we're going to do, right? Yeah. And they just, like, stepped in and made it happen. And the core members are always here paying the dues, keeping the rent paid. And, yeah, things are in a stronger position for all the programs here. Karate, Eido, physical fitness, cardio kickboxing all of them have increased membership now and booming now i haven't had a class post pandemic that has had less than like eight or nine white belts in it beginner people so that's fun yeah and and again sensei i want to throw that sensei dolphin like you set up that zoom link within a day you know like i didn't robert did the same okay. guy who's posting this is ah. i'm not going to take any credit for that okay. robert set up the zoom link <laughs> Okay, so you asked Robert to set up a Zoom link and he set up a Zoom link and there was like no break, like there might've been break in in-person classes. It took me a month to get out to the park. But for me as a student of yours, there was not one missed week of training opportunities. And that to me is like what Sensei Suino just said, you know, there's 10% what happens and there's 90% what you do with it. And uh, again, watching that, I'm like, okay, great. What's my version of that? But I don't think I'd have thought that if I wasn't watching my teacher do that. Honestly, though, Sean, like the, the real deal is that uh, if I just was going to mention two names, Robert and Tori, those people just inserted themselves, set up these Zoom links, set up this website. That me or is that Sensei? He's no, that was me, I think. Okay, cool. Everybody froze for a second, but... Those people set everything up and kept it going. Like I have nothing but gratitude for them. Well, let's pop to a question. Um, unless anyone wants to chip in on that. Um, 
so Jesse's one of my brown belts down here in Toronto, and he's got a great question. Um, I'll let him phrase it, but I was really excited when he mentioned uh, asking this. So, Robert, if you don't mind throwing the camera on to Jesse. Hey, Jesse, what's happening? Hi, Sensei. I'm just enjoying uh, listening to all the Senseis talk about various experiences during COVID. Um, my question is related to the reality of politics and martial arts, which is a concept that's come up a number of times from different guests on um, Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. So I'm wondering if the type of politics that has led to various people maybe stepping away from a given martial arts um, community or martial arts itself is something that's always existed back in the classical period or if it's something that still exists today. And if maybe you could just talk about how that has changed throughout your experience of martial arts over the last 30, 40, 50 years. You wanna start Hanchi Legacy? Well, I think when you, throw it around like that. Personally, I think that um, politics can mean a lot of different things. You know, they say the politics of it, maybe um, people cheating, doing stuff. Um, um, the student or the sensei not following the same path as the student. If you can't follow that path, do something else. Mm. But you have to lead, right? We're we're leaders physically. So it can mean something like that, or, you know, the pure idea of the politics of it, maybe a lot of money problems and hard times to get things going. So it, there are other things that, that must be done other than the pure training. And sometimes people have to stretch themselves to um, keep the dojo open. You know, like uh, I personally, don't like all the stripes and everything on all the belts and all that stuff. It, it's sort of, uh, to me, that's those are politics. You know, like in the beginning, how many belts did Matsumura wear? And he's the guy who invented karate. So, um, and if you put belts on or you do stuff like that, then uh, you're taking away from the person's training. Why does somebody really need a stripe on their belt to let them know where they are as a yellow belt? Stuff like that. So there are a lot of different ways of looking at that. So I'll just pass it on to somebody else and see what they think. Hanshi, sorry, if you don't mind, and don't answer this if you don't want, but I just want to ask you, like, I've noticed that you, in the time I've met you and everything I've heard about you, is that you've really avoided like organizational politics where somebody would be like, hey, we have this blanket organization or, hey, if you come join this organization, we have links to Japan and you've tended to avoid those. Was that because of the quality of the martial arts? Was that because the uh, the time you'd have to spend doing it? Like what made you kind of really just stick to your own pure martial art path? And, you know, there might've been some benefits to that stuff. Well, I went, I went to, I searched out, I went on a, on a pilgrimage to find martial artists that were reputable and that would take me all the way through what I wanted to learn. Right. In the beginning, in the early 70s, not every sensei was equipped. Not, not every sensei knew a pure style. Mm. Not every sensei knew all the cutters in their style, etc. like this. So... I just happened to be in the right place at the right time to find these um, 
reputable persons and try to learn the style. And it just seemed to work good for me. And um, apparently the people who came and joined my dojo and stayed, um, especially the ones who stayed, right? It, it was good for them too. So again, it wasn't just in me, it was in all of us. Every, every person who's in our schools helped build it. Okay, so. Thanks, Anchi, appreciate that. Sensei Suino? I guess when, when asked uh, about martial arts politics, I've seen it most often in my dealings with associations. Um, when you get a bunch of people together, there, it ends up being some who want to have an easier time getting titles or ranks or recognition. And they're impatient. They're not just an easier time, but they also sometimes want to go quicker. Um, sometimes I think that makes sense. You know, there's such a thing as an honorary degree. There's recognition for somebody's contributions. If someone donates a ton of money or a ton of time to an organization, then I suppose there should be recognition for that. But I've seen a lot of people vie for position in martial arts organizations. Uh, not always sure why they do it because... Mm. Usually, if you are, if you once you've been in a few, you realize that the more position you have, the more work you have, the more responsibility. <laughs> um, and and a high title in a martial arts organization is not necessarily going to uh, give you a paycheck or a recognition in any other world. But people still really like it, and they often try to short circuit the process in some way. Yeah. And you know. I think that means that to some degree they've forgotten the real reason why we're doing this, right? Is to make yourself better, to be, to, to have a lifetime on a path. It's not the path I'd be on. Um, I've had to, you know, look past that a few times in my career, but um, uh, that's where I see it most. I just, you know, people just don't want to put in the work and they don't want to put in the time. So they start trying to find other ways to get what they, what they're hoping to get. Yeah. Thanks, Sensei. Really appreciate that perspective. Sensei Dofa? Uh, so when people say politics to me, I wrote down a bunch of other words that go along with politics. Ego was one, right? Like politics usually has something to do with ego. It usually has something to do with insecurity. It usually has something to do with authority, uh, competition, comparison, Right, like you're comparing yourself to somebody else, and so as Sensuino said, you know, and you want something that they have, so you're trying to maybe circumnavigate the situation to put yourself in a a different spot. You feel insecure about somebody in your organization. You feel insecure that oh, they have a rank or a title or a position, or people are looking at them different than they look at me, and I want them to look at me like that, but I don't want to do the work necessary and maybe I can't do the work maybe there's not enough work that I could actually do right like I'm never going to be that person no matter nobody's ever going to look at me like that no matter how much work that I do and then it boils down to you do you love training or do you not love training because that other stuff's just bullshit right like that, that other stuff is just <laughs> bullshit, right like a lot of that politics is just that like our if there's no ranks, there's no associations, there's no 
fancy uniforms. There's no titles. Where do you think I'm going to be tomorrow, Benson? Right where you are right now, but sweating. Yeah, I'm going to be right back there doing my low blocks, swinging my sword, hitting the heavy bag in my jeans and t-shirt, if that's what it takes. And I think uh, now that Jesse asked this question about the politics, and I think one of the things that can eradicate a lot of the politics, if you keep higher principles in mind that don't involve you, like, so if you keep in mind the art, what is most important for the art when I, and if you're just a person who comes and trains and you're trying to get better, maybe you don't need to worry about this, but if you're a teacher or you're running something or you are in a situation where you need to worry about politics, then first and foremost, you should be thinking about what's most important for the art. What's important for karate? What's important for EIDO? First and foremost, always. Then what's important for your association? Like what's important for Legacy Sharner? What's important for JMAC? That's number three. What's important for the students? Right. And then number four, what's in it for you? Like, as far as the politics or that other realm that doesn't involve doing low blocks and punching and kicking and swinging a sword, right? Like, those are my thoughts. Thanks, Sensei. And Jesse, I just want to add one thing. You know, I think I was around your rank when, uh, you know, a member of Legacy Shore and Rue who had left, uh, I ran into him in a tournament. And I was like, what happened, man? And I had no close relationship with him. So, he felt really comfortable talking to me because we didn't have a broken bond, so to speak. Sensei uh, fan, you'll know what I mean when I say that's since changed. But in any case, I said, what's up? And he goes, well, it's not like I was ever going to get the scrolls. You're not going to get the scrolls. And I was a brown belt at the time. And Jesse, I know you have a really active and awesome mind around this stuff. I was like, I fucking have the scrolls today. And it's funny, Sensei Dauphin, when we were talking at the beginning, one of the things I wrote down, and it related to even the great pop idea, like you once said to me really early on in a training, if you're honest with me, the karate will take care of itself. And I always think about that in terms of, you know, honest training, being an honest student, like by being Sensei Dauphin, Sensei Legacy student, that's the scrolls. And then I, I may never be the head of the club or, or technically be a Menkyo Kaden. That's not the point. The point is the scrolls are open anytime I'm with my teachers. And that person didn't understand that as far as I'm concerned, Jesse. And I was just like, oh, okay. Well, politically, they made a move for themselves, i.e., you know, where they needed to follow to try and one day be the guy. And I'm like, when I'm in front of Sensei Dolphin or Sensei Legacy, I'm the guy, along with every other guy and woman and person who's with us. So anyways, it's a different perspective for me about what that looks like. Um, anyways, that's where I go with it. Hey, Jesse, you know, if you stand in a field on a sunny day with 100 people in that field, the sun shines on everybody the same way. Right. The thing I like, as soon as you, want, you want more sun on you than the person next to you, that's where the politics comes in. Hachi? Um, another way of looking at politics is, for instance, martial arts, which comes out of the the Far East and um, is forged to defend people's lives are now, uh, then we have the people who do uh, sport karate for the Olympics. While the Olympics is um, a great thing, uh, who would not want to be an Olympian, right? 
and I'm not, I'm not um, demeaning them in any way, but um, there is so much more that those athletes, respectfully, are not learning that you learn in martial arts from the Far East, philosophy, Zen, a lot of those things. If they are, then I stand corrected, but um, to put the martial arts in the hands of somebody using it for a sport, which is, I believe, is trying to, to happen now, I think is clearly wrong. A sensei, a ninth or a tenth dan, or somebody who's trained for 30 years or more, how long is an athlete? How long is a guy in the Olympics? Like it's only every four years, he may last, in karate, you may last eight years, and those people are want to be in charge of martial arts. Clearly wrong, clearly wrong. Martial arts should be in the hands of the masters of that style. So there's some politics for you right there. Just well, both, I just want to add this to make sure that everybody understands that I'm not demeaning or it is great to be a sport athlete guy in the Olympics, but not running martial arts as styles. Okay. Yeah. I think it'd be amazing to be an Olympian. Uh, before COVID, the average uh, Olympian was allocated 46 condoms for the two weeks. That's and a then, true story. After, after COVID? Yeah. Did the number go up or down? <laughs> oh, the, the last Olympics was brutal. They weren't even allowed to like hang out in the village after their event and stuff. That's when they partied and would just be like, could you imagine? I can't even imagine 10, 12 years ago, the Olympics, when you're done your event. Forget it. <laughs> so, Jesse, I don't know how we got from politics to 46 condoms before <laughs> your Olympic event, but somehow we got there uh, you know says the sweeto i have a question maybe this is for everybody as well on the line of politics is that um even the ranking system if you think about um a lot of asian cultures specifically japanese cultures there is definitely a hierarchy like there is an ingrained hierarchy you were a samurai you were a peasant you were an artisan or you were a merchant, like, and you fell into one of those four categories and maybe you liked it and maybe you didn't. Um, and it was very limited how you could move through those systems. So I don't know, I think maybe sometimes in our politics and martial arts, some of that has been handed down for a few hundred years to where we are today. Right. But in the end, I think Richard Kim had it right. What, what did he say about it? That's the final arbitrator. That right there. Well, you know, interestingly, that's what sometimes the associations take away or the lineage, mm. right? So example being um, in Japan, this concept of soke, right? Which is originally the sort of hereditary leader of the system. And in modern times became the, uh, the appointed head of the system. So originally, right, let's say a family style jujitsu, let's say some guy named Sato starts a jujitsu system, but usually his son, the new Mr. Sato is going to be the soke when he gets too old. And then 
you know, in modern times, it's, it's an appointment. And so I was privy to some of that politics, for example, in the EIDO organization. But what happens, you get so big, you know, mainstream EIDO when I was over there had thousands, tens of thousands of people involved in it. And so now the Soke ship and his board of chieftains has not only a lot of power, but also access to a lot of money because of what they're doing. And so mm. then you got people who get involved in the organization, they get up to sixth, seventh, eighth on. Now they're looking for ways to, to game the system, you know, to, to buddy up to certain people. And now they're playing for rank, but they're also playing for position and money mm. and influence. Um, and of course, that's an example where you can't have a sword fight anymore to, to make the difference, right? That's right. Right. That's what I was going to say to you, Census, you know, is like you're there and the Soke is there or some other person who is appointed. How about you fucking yank your sword and let's both yank our sword and let's see what happens in the next second. Well, we know historically that probably happened. Um, and, and I guess the, the last point I was going to make about that was because of that system, it's often true that the guy running the organization is not the best martial artist, mm. right? He's just the guy who plays politics best. And it's too bad that they're not even the best leader. I was just going to ask that. Right? Because maybe Takugawa Iyus was not the best swordsman. He, he probably was a great swordsman. Like Takugawa Iyus was probably, Iyusu was probably a great swordsman. But he was probably a much better leader than he was a swordsman. And that's probably why people followed him. Um, and he probably had got the work done through hundreds of other people who were better swordsmen than he was. Oh, and that's and you know, why he arrived at the position that he was. And one more example of this in the sword world, right? Miyamoto Musashi, right? The most famous swordsman who ever lived, had well, nothing to do with politics, association, anything else. He wandered the country, had fights, life or death fights, many of them, right? And even though he was toward the end of his life, you know, acknowledged as the best swordsman, you know, he went and lived in a cave. Like, there's a big disconnect, right, between success in politics and success in the art itself. Yeah, lots of drinking and women and carousing, though, for Miyamoto Musashi. <laughs> <laughs> What's your point? What are your goals? My point is, what are your goals? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, going back to the fundamental concept of politics, like whether you're talking about the Prime Minister of Canada or the President of the United States, there's an idea in, and it's funny because this pivots a bit to Sid's question maybe, but there's an idea in psychology that desiring such a position should fundamentally disqualify you from the position. Like if you want to be president, you're already like fucking too, too many things are wrong with you. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we love, love when heroes the, say no at first. Right. You should love Canada. You should love the United States and find yourself in the position not desire to be in the position that's it right so you should just love your, like if i look at sense of legacy i look at a person who never chased rank ever yeah. never he just loved training and the ranks just kept falling on him until he found himself in the situation uncomfortably where he was a 10th degree black belt and people were like how did you get that and he's like i don't know i just trained like i just kept training like that reminds me of what uh, Sensei Brad Jones said on our last episode, right? Shut up and train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, I think you got your money's worth tonight. Thanks, Sensei. <clears throat> Thanks for the uh, thoughtful answers. Hey, you Jesse, how's your, you PhD, how's your PhD stuff going? What's going uh, on with your PhD? 
I, uh, I just had a committee meeting uh, yesterday, um, and so things are going well. It looks like I'll be done in about 18 months. Amazing. Yeah. Getting a PhD is not easy, man. Proud of you. Thanks, Sensei. What was that, Hanchi? Uh, so do you have an opinion of, did we miss something that you were thinking about that we never covered about politics? Did you have an idea of your own? Can you hear me? He can, he's but he's muted. muted and he needs uh, to be muted. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the one thought I had, I wanted to, I was curious about is, is how it's changed with time. Were, were these types of poli politics going on with uh, Matsumura and Itosu, um, or was it kind of more pure back then? No, it's, it was all the same, all the time. Humans are humans. The, the front of my book, you'll see, and God created, God created man, and the fighting began. Well, it went from there. <laughs> so, yeah. Says Sfino, you'll finally have that book on December 18th. Right? And it's been a long time coming. Yeah, and you'll have an envelope full of money, and you'll have a sweatshirt. Ooh. Nice. Man, there's a lot of things I like about you coming to see me. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesse, just read any Shakespearean history. You know, any of, the, any of the histories are basically about, for the most part, a king dying or a king not being capable, and then somebody and somebody else trying to maneuver their way in. Gain and able. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jesse. Um, nice to see you, man. And then Sydney has got a uh, question that I'd love to hear. I don't, we, we don't have the specifics here, but I know we'll all be happy to see her. Where is that, Sydney? She was just training her uh, online a, a minute ago. Hi. <laughs> hey, Sid. Hi, Sweetie. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Show everybody your arms, Sid. Show them your left arm. I just got a little. That's not as bad this week from the seaside. But starting a new job, getting fit, getting bruised. But <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> um. The one thought that kind of I had from the last conversation that might transition to is I said this to Uncle Gare during our private lessons, like before I got my black belt. And it was about, I just said, yeah, your belt only covers two inches of your ass and then you have to cover the rest. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, and so the other thing, I just, my question, and it's kind of really broad, but happy men's mental health month. Like I'm very grateful to have grown up around um, such incredible men um, and I've gotten so many lessons from you guys like lessons that you've given me but also just as a young girl and like watching how you teach and live your lives and like what karate is um, or martial arts in the lives like I've gotten a lot of lessons um, and so on like the mental health side of things um, I just Love to hear about, you know, everyone on this call is trained for a long time through rough periods of mental health and like while they're feeling great. How did martial arts influence like your health, but then also how did your mindset like emanate out of your martial arts and how did it influence kind of if you have chapters or stages or if there's like a specific time in your life where like everything was awful and because I know I'm coming out of like something and I'm feeling really great these days. And um, karate was a big 
help for me, like holding on in the storm, like holding on to that tree, like it was karate. Um, yeah, it's pretty broad. <laughs> I don't know if we can make it specific. I think we can. Where do you want to start, Sid? Who do you direct us? Let's go with, uh, let's, because I think uh, Uncle Sean had a lot of dark times. I know them. Like, I actually know everybody on this call had lots of dark times, and I know martial arts helped all of us. So, Benz, why don't you start, and then I'll go, and then we'll go to Sensei Suino, and then we'll go to Sensei, Sensei Legacy can finish, um, if that's okay with you. Yeah, right on. Um, yeah, Sid, I mean, I don't want to take a crazy amount of time, but I could talk about this for a year because it's so fundamental to... I consider mental health to be the most important thing there is because we're stuck with ourselves 24 hours a day. And if you're not okay with yourself, get help, man. There's help out there for anything you're dealing with. If you're eating too much, if you're gambling too much, if you're depressed, if you want to hurt yourself, like it's awesome. There's, it's such a great time right now. Um, it just seems like public health conversation has become a really open, like my dad still can't get his head around the fact that I'm open about sobriety. Like he loves it for me. But in his time, these were, you know, things like AA, you don't even need the anonymous anymore. We still honor that fundamentally um, if I'm allegedly doing that kind of a program. But you understand what I mean by that is that it's so awesome how teenagers and high school kids will talk about mental health. I wish that was true when I was a teenager. So I, I found karate on a real high. I was so happy to be at university. Uh, high school finished beautifully for me, you know. I was kind of a golden boy in the world in relation to myself. Nothing was going badly. Even getting good marks at Western wasn't real hard. Karate was very hard, by the way. Karate was like ballet for me. I had a bit of an aptitude for movement, but it was so challenging to do it right. Not the way I wanted to do it. Um, and then, you know, my addiction started to take hold. And uh, that was my early mid-20s, really. That was a long run for me, like... You know, I always maintenance trained and I had real great periods of training hard and intensely. But, you know, your dad helped me understand that the very seeker, like front edge nature of who I was that made me like fling my bike at age 10 over like 10 foot jumps and made me good at karate and like want to push and not mind getting punched to learn. It also made me try all this other stuff that got its hooks in me. Um, I think karate saved my life. I fundamentally think that the standard like i would say to myself at night sean you're a black belt in legacy shore and rue you need to hold yourself to a higher standard than this now good luck telling yourself that as an addict but i promise you that might have prevented one extra call to the dealer that might have prevented one extra trip out in the car when i shouldn't have been driving even if it was just one i guarantee that in what i call a real dark seven years some fun times in there too but I was under control of something else that was related 100% to mental health. Anyways, when I emerged from it, more importantly, karate was waiting for me. That's the best way I can put it. I slept on Hanchi Legacy in, in his home for weeks. And I was at the worst physical period of my life. Sensei Doka, your dad sat down with me and you signed the book, Sydney, that I was going to do better. I still well up when I think about that. Karate was like, we never went anywhere. Let's get back to work, son. No big deal. We all falter back on the beam my ebbs and flows haven't been as much you know since then i've always trained hard but i always karate came before sobriety came before acting it came before all of that it was it's my guidepost for all mental health but it isn't it isn't my therapist 
It isn't my sponsor. So I do need those other things. I can talk to your dad and uncle, you know, your, your uncle Garrett, Sensei Legacy and Sensei Soon about anything, no holds barred. But my therapist is equipped to guide the conversation in a way I might need when it comes to mental health. So I could go on, but I'm going to leave it at that is that Karate was always there for me. It never left me. The people in Karate never left me. And especially when I came back with full vigor, there was no fucking, yeah, but fuck you. It was welcome. We love you. Thank God you're out of that. Love that. Guess I'm going next, right? And then says, you know, and then says, like, see, so Sid, you know, all the stuff like you, there's nothing that you don't know that I will say, right? Like there's a lot of cliches, you know, you get punched in the face. Are you moving in or are you running? Like, what are you doing? Right. And uh, I just don't think anything's really special about the things that mm. I've gone through. Like as far, they were, they are relevant to me. My dad dying of brain cancer. That's relative to me. Grandma dying of ALS and me sleeping in the bed next to her. That's relevant to me. Um, the demise of my relationship with your mother and me not having my kids, the most important thing with me, like every other week, that's relevant to me, right? Like, but other people went through all that stuff successfully. If the thing I'm lucky that I had a community, I had, I had a community and that community was karate. And I had a vision of what I wanted to be. And, and I still have a vision of what I want to be. And nothing has shaken me from that vision, right? Like I've always maintained that vision of who I am and what I want and what I want to give back through that vision. Like what I hope that will help my community in the world and my association uh, through my work and my efforts. Um, and that is more important than my struggles. Like those things are more important than my own because everybody has their personal struggles. We all we all have them, but do you have that vision of what you want and what you think it's going to do for you and what it's going to do for the community and what it's going to do uh, for the world around you? And, you know, when Uncle Sean's talking about uh, I always had karate, all I can say to you, Sid, is when Grandpa died, the day he died, I went to the dojo. Right? And when I went to the dojo, I remember Uncle Gare saying, like, giving me a hug and saying, and then getting his fighting stuff out. And I remember him looking at me and I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, you and I are going to fight. Fuck all those other guys. Like we're going to fight tonight. And him and I fought that night, right? Like that's when grandma died, I went to the dojo. Um, like Uncle Sean said, when your mom and I split up, I lived with Uncle Gary. Like my bike was in his garage. My stuff was in his garage and I slept on I didn't sleep on his couch because he gave me a bedroom, right? But, but anyway, uh, so karate saved me too, but my vision of what I wanted myself to be and what I wanted to give back to the world was something I just never let go of it, right? Um, and you and Benny and Sydney and uh, the young students who are here are a part of that because you don't want to let those people down. Thanks, Sensei. Sensei Suino? Great question. This is. I mean, this is a this is a fruitful question. I could talk. This is a permissions question. Since yeah, it really is. So, yeah. like Sean, I could talk on this forever. I'm going to make four points about this. 
Um, the first one is, um, you know, I've never been suicidal, but I think the closest I ever was, I was going through a very difficult time in my life. And um, at three in the morning, I called my one of my best friends. I, I called my brother, this guy, John Spears. Many of you guys know about him. And he talked me down from the panic attack or whatever I was having. And he said, listen, I'm here for you and I love you. Going back to that topic that we started with. Um, and like I said, I don't think I was ever suicidal, but the closest I ever was, he was there for me. And he's a guy I met in martial arts and I trained, I trained with one-on-one -on -one for hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, so that's a life-changing moment or a life-saving moment, depending on how you look at it, that I'll never forget. And it's a big reason why I'm here and as functional as I am. Uh, second point, I learned to meditate in martial arts mm. and um, I still meditate and uh, I can meditate my way to calmness in virtually any mental state because I've done it so long and so consistently, which is an amazing superpower to have. Two more points. One is how it's changed my point of view, right? As a martial artist, as a high-ranking black belt, as a leader of men and women, I expect to be able to be patient, to withstand challenges, mm. Um, to, 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 in, to see a challenge and then to focus on it, to evaluate it and take action. So that's the long term. And in the short term, when things are going badly, I can always focus on training. That's the fourth point, right? What are you going to do tomorrow? One thing I'm sure of, I'm going to train. If you're going through hell, keep your foot on the gas pedal and get through it as fast as <laughs> Right? <laughs> keep going. Uh -huh. <laughs> Hanchi Legacy, anything you want to add or talk about? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times when um, you're not quite yourself, it, it happened to me one time. Uh, I have to say, I, I started martial arts uh, in my early, early 20s, just past 20. And I started to strengthen my body, mind, and spirit as one. But, you know, a lot of times things come in on you that you don't know about. Like you, you feel fine, but things are building up or something is happening that you're not mentally aware of. And um, at one time in my life, uh, I remember what Sensei Nick said, for instance, um, you know, I get lost there a bit. Sorry. <laughs> That's Things cool. happen okay. when you're not aware of them. They're okay, both. yeah. Okay. So um, I started to get a bit of a panic attack. That's what I was going to say. I was trying to remember what you had said. Or, you know, in my mind, this is what I thought. Geez, I wasn't sleeping at night. Um, when I saw figures, they were all distorted. I thought, geez, am I having a nervous breakdown? And what's going on? So, but instead... The first thing I thought of was, I'm not training hard enough. So I just went into the dojo for the next two or three weeks, every single day, in the morning and at night, and trained all my katas really hard, hit the bag a lot. And about two weeks after that, I, I felt like I was myself. So there's a lot of 
there's a lot of things to say for martial arts for someone who, you know, who has health problems as well. Just through the rigorous training and uh, the pressure you put on yourself on a voluntary basis so that you can build a certain amount of strength me mentally and physically and spiritually. Um, I think that you can always control that just by doing some training. So uh, we're all saying the same thing. I just took one little incident that happened to me and it really, it was the only one. And I know now that if I start feeling that way, I just have to train a little bit harder. Thank you. You yeah. know, Sid, I, I think a thought that occurred as everybody was talking, one of the things that I think karate, if you're in a classical dojo, like, and again, I'm not trying to slang like sport martial arts, like it has its place, but I think this will resonate with you a little bit. When you're part of a classical dojo, a lot of people today don't, they've lost their way with their own history, their own connection to what their family was and where things were and how they're connected to the people around them. I'm not, I have a great family history mm. that connects me back to like, I can go back to Matsumura Sakugawa. I can go back to Bodhidharma in the Iaido schools. I can go, you know, uh, Miyamichi Sensei, uh, Yamaguchi Sensei. Like I can go back, like I have this really strong connection that goes back hundreds of years that I'm part of. Um, and it's, uh, it becomes a little bit of an obligation. You have this obligation that you have to carry that forward too, right? Like you have to, and you get the benefits of that, but more death will come, more pandemics will come, more drug addicts will come, more relationships will end, but the martial arts needs to keep moving forward. And if you're part of it, it's going to move you forward too. You're going to move it forward while it moves you forward. You do it together. Yeah. Can I ask this question? How many people here think they're martial artists as opposed to um, guy who works a, who's a, a janitor or a guy who's a doctor or a guy who's a politician? Whatever your trade is, how many of you think that you're not that? but you're a martialist. Yeah. When I ride my motorcycle, Sense of Legacy, I ride it like a motor, like a martial artist. That's right. Right. When I, when I go to work every day and I have to lead the staff that I work with at the University of Waterloo, I lead them like a martial artist because I'm a martial artist first. That's right. When I go home tonight and I lay next to Christine, I'm going to lay next Easy. to her like a martial artist. <laughs> that's, that's enough. Stop there. <laughs> Come on. You know you still want the camera to be on. Don't even joke. <laughs> so, well, you look at that, you know, for people who are watching, if you're a martial artist, you should consider yourself that. It's like being Superman, right? You have a secret identity. And you really are that person because it changes your life in every way for the best. So, you know, if you have problem, if you're having a problem in life and you're, you're willing to work a little bit to make yourself a better person or have a better life, go to a classical martial arts school and consider yourself 
from the second you put a belt on, a martial artist. Mm. And then if you give yourself that title, then you'll you'll be more optimistic and you'll you'll feel more like doing your martial arts. And then everything else in life will just fall in place. I hope everybody heard that sensei that you just said. When you walk in the dojo and you put a belt on, you're a martial artist. Yeah, that's what I ask young kids when they come in and they put on a white belt. I say, do you know what the difference is between you and somebody out in the street? You know what that difference is? I said, you've made the commitment mm. to martial arts and they haven't. So a white belt is just as important as a black belt. As a matter of fact, it might be more important. It's that commitment that you need. Love that. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, my thoughts, like one thing I think I struggled with when I was younger and just growing up in this and having the name that I have was I didn't feel like I had earned like this certain like that to be a martial artist or I felt like karate, like the dojo, you know, the hard lessons. It reminds me of what I'm not yet. Right. Like I, it, it reminded me, it always showed me what I wasn't. And I think I focused on that, but now I'm realizing it'll always remind me of actually what I am because it is actually everything I am. Like when I look at my family history and my connections, like dad was talking about. Um, so yeah, but thank you everyone. Yeah. yeah I, I asked yeah. you the question, I asked you this question in class, like just a little while ago, I said, if I quit karate, where will you be tomorrow? And what did you say? be doing karate <laughs> yeah Sid one other idea I want to throw at that like if you're teaching a white belt who's brand new you know you're running that class and you're teaching them are you going to yell at them if they don't know how to do the thing you're showing them yes or brand new ideas yeah <laughs> getting, yeah right <laughs> but you know they're getting a brand new idea and you tend to be like that's okay you made a mistake that's what you're here to do that's what learning is but we sometimes don't treat ourselves with the same respect and compassion that we would treat a stranger. We expect ourselves to know things we've never learned, but we'll teach them and enjoy the fact that they're in process. And that's one of the biggest things that someone like yourself who can do things pretty quick out of the gate, someone like myself, it can be very punishing to be in your own head sometimes when you think you should know something you've never learned. You've never, and you can learn it, but you haven't yet. And then we'll get mad at ourselves and call ourselves and language badly in our own heads. And, you know, Hanchi said something so amazing. Like, sometimes you don't know what's happening. Like, I was in my 30s before I realized I called myself a fucking asshole every day when I'd like bump into the door jam or, you know, stub my toe or, or less stuff, like drop a plate that wouldn't even break. And I'm like, why am I talking? I wouldn't imagine if I said that to any of you, you'd be like, no. So I had to learn to say no when I started to do that. Yeah. I mean, even tonight we were talking about, I started like training. It was, I was eight years old at karate camp was kind of when uncle Mike took me aside and taught me my first kata. And then I started going to the dojo after that. But I remember being eight and thinking, man, I'm too old. Like I should have started when I was young right. with my dad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why did I start so yeah. late? Like, I, <laughs> You're eight and you've already blown it. Yeah, like that's it. I'll never be a black belt now. <laughs> uh, Good pause. Great chat.
Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, love Sid, you for that. We all love you too, Sid. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to come visit me. Yeah, hopefully soon. <laughs> okay. She's waiting for you too, Sensei. You and Sensei Demora, she's got a, a salmon fishing trip for the two of you guys lined up now. All right then. <laughs> Sensei yeah, Suino wants in on that too, Sid, by the way. Just gonna say Sensei Suino too. <laughs> and apparently I like to fish as well. Like there's there's been rumors. There's been rumors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thanks, Sid. Um, do y'all mind if I sneak in one quick one, one quick question for the, the senseis? Sensei, uh, Suino, you and I were chatting about this. So, I mean, I sprained my thumb doing some rolling the other day, no big deal, but <clears throat> Suino and I were going back and forth a little bit. Like at what point when you're injured, do you just rest that body part? Do you rest your whole body or do you just say, screw it, tape it and keep going? Cause the screw it, tape it, keep going is what our mind wants to do. Is it always the smartest choice, especially that we're all over 40? Man, you know, you and I chatted about this and um, I give really good advice, but I ignore it all myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really interesting, you know, because if you capitulate to injuries too quickly, you're never going to put the time in, right? It's the same as capitulating to pain or fear too quickly. At the same time, there's a certain type of injury where you better fucking not train, right? Um, so I don't know where common sense is. And there's also some luck in there, right? Because we may train through some injuries that other people shouldn't train through and they're going to get worse and somehow we manage to get better. I think unless it's debilitating, you should at least train minimalist, minimally. You know, I would say this and it's not just a joke. You know, if somebody is fully healthy, they should come to the dojo and train. If they're not fully healthy, they should come to the dojo and watch or do what they can. If they're too sick to come to the dojo at all, then they should be watching judo or Iaido or karate on YouTube. Um, and if their computer doesn't work, they should have a copy of Karate Do My Way of Life or, or uh, Sword and Spirit next to their bedside and they should be reading that shit. Like if you're really a martial artist, you got to get your daily dose somehow. And for me, I've just, I guess I've been lucky, but I think all of us on the call have been lucky. We've been injured, we've trained through it, and we're still here. Yeah. You know? Thanks, Sensei. Yeah. Um, I'll throw it to you, Sensei Dofa, and then Hanchi after. Uh, on Sunday mornings, if you come in here, I'm training with a bunch of people who, we have three rules, right? One, you gotta be a dude. Two, you gotta be over 40. And three, you can't be competitive with each other. Right. And everybody comes in here, they all got aches and pains. And I mean, that's not a slang against girl. The whole, we don't want girls here is because as soon as a girl walks in, you're going to get competitive. You're going to try and lift more than you should lift. Like we just know ourselves, right? So, um, <laughs> but, but I guess where I'm going with that is, um, you always got to do what you can, like yeah. when you can, and it's easy to take an injury and make it an excuse. There's reasons and there's excuses, right? Like, so there's a reason why you can't train, but I mean, Mr. Olympia was two weeks ago. I saw a guy in a wheelchair who has like almost no legs. Who's like physically from the waist up is like unbelievably fit, like un 
so many people would just say, I'm in a wheelchair. I'm never going to lift a weight. I'm not going to whatever. Right. So I, I think, you know, even when I talk about that stuff, Sean, it's like, you know, who are you? Do you know yourself? One thing is, do you know yourself? Yeah. Right. Like, do you know yourself or are you comparing yourself? Right. Um, the only funny story I'll say is, uh, and it involves sense of Sweeno and sense of legacy, because I remember, um, my hand, right? So when I broke my hand, when that knuckle was gone, right? I remember sitting on Sensei Legacy's couch. And I remember Michelle Legacy looking at my hand and going, what the hell is wrong with your hand, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I, I was fighting and I broke my hand. And, uh, and Sarah, who was there was like, yeah, you know, I tell them like, you need to rest it. You can't do this. And they were both like, and I just was sitting there and since the issue is at the counter, like washing some dishes. And I looked over at him when they were saying that I needed to rest and do all this stuff. And I remember he just looked at me and went, <laughs> right. So, so, and uh, I trusted that personally, because uh, if you look at sense of legacy's hand, you know, he broke his hand once too. Right. Now, having said that, the next week I got on my motorcycle and I drove to Michigan. Mm. And I remember I was training with Sensuino and he was like, why are you doing your Yaido like that? Like what's going on? Da, 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 da. Like we had this thing. And then I said, well, and I showed him my hand. I was like, I broke my hand a week ago. And he was like, sorry, it's not safe for you to do Yaido. Let's just go and do lunch. We went and had lunch somewhere and we just chatted because I couldn't actually grip the sword, mm. right? To like do what I needed to do. But I could do other things. Like Sense of Legacy is saying, no, don't stop training, which is right. Because I had two legs and another arm that I could do. Right. And Sense of Suino is saying, you can't train because I have a broken hand and that's the connection to the sword that I need. So he's saying, no, don't do that. So it's all situationally specific. Right. Yeah. So what your injury is and what you're trying to achieve. Sorry, mm -hmm. that was a long winded answer. Oh, somebody got something out of that. I'm just taking this all in. I love it. Hanshi, anything you want to chat about with regards to that? Well, just so that the parents and everyone out there maybe should look at it um, as someone who is um, if you're if you get hurt, what I usually ask the, the person is, are you hurt? And if they say yes, then I'll say to them, are you injured? Ah. And if they say, yes, I'm injured, then I won't let them go on. But if they're just hurt, I just give them a minute to get their act together and then go on. Because, you know, we're martial arts teachers. You know, we're teaching people also to be able to defend, them, defend themselves in the street or help someone else in the street. And if somebody hits you and hurts you a little bit and you give up or you get scared from it, then it's not good training. So to have somebody fight a little bit while they're hurt, not injured, you know, if you get like a punch in the shoulder and it hurts a little bit, okay, forget it, just keep fighting. But, you know, somebody breaks their hand or, and I, I believe Sensi Spino was right in that case. Right now. So that's how I would put it. Thanks. Just to put a little button on the convo Sensei Spino and I had briefly on, on Messenger is, 
you know, my thumb bent back, touched my wrist. And then I was like, you know, and this goes to something you said last week, Sensei Suino, about like having to have the toughness, but also having to have the intelligence was in that moment. I just went, oh, my intelligence actually comes from past toughness, which is this is sprained, but it's not going to get worse. So I taped it and rolled for another hour. And I've been mountain biking ever since because I was right. Like I was like, oh, I know myself since it opened well enough to go, okay, this hands out of commission for anything like that, but we're good for that. Great. Fuck. We're back. It hurt like a motherfucker. Anytime someone hit it, but it didn't prevent training. But I like the idea of knowing yourself since it opened a lot, like 28 years of what we do later, you go, yeah, I know this hurts. It's a mild sprain, but it's not an injury. Yeah. When I hurt my calf, from skipping, like I was doing too many rounds of skipping. So I pulled this muscle in my calf. Mm. How many pull-ups do you think I did the next week? <laughs> How many? <laughs> How many? 46 yeah. condoms worth. 46 <laughs> condoms worth. That's a lot of pull-ups. <laughs> I think that's a good button. It's 10 p.m. <laughs> Anything anyone wants to go out on, Hanchi? Should we go around the horn? Hanchi, let yeah, me let's see go around know. the horn. We should go around the horn yeah, and yeah. Then just talk about what's coming up. Geez, what is there to talk about? We just talked about, you know, <laughs> right. um, so I really don't have much more to say than uh, it's great to have these get togethers. And I think since Sweeno is right, it will be a, a welcome day when we can all sit together and just have our own little chat without anything else there but us. Thanks, Anshi Legacy. Sensei Suino? Well, the questions tonight were great and they really got us into some good conversations. It's cool to see how we all think a little differently, but all along the same lines. We're, we're, we're um, following the same winds. The same, the same winds are, are driving us just have a little different point of view on it and uh i i can't imagine it's just a, to to blow our own horn a little bit uh what an opportunity for you guys on the call especially you younger newer martial artists to be able to listen to this you know this idea came from the the notion of being in the back seat of a car that's rolling with a couple two or three martial arts masters in it being able to listen in on the conversation and being able to cover this stuff uh is is fantastic and it's got to be really good for you folks who are newer to this to, to the martial arts thanks sensei suino sensei dofan every week is always my favorite week like every person we've talked to because that i always send you guys a message after <laughs> um, and say like that was incredible i love this 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 is my favorite week ever and uh it's because of you guys that it's my favorite week Sometimes the guests change and that's, they add to me being the favorite week, but uh, the core of what makes it my favorite week every week is being able to chat amongst us, right? And hear what we're talking about. I just, uh, you know, I said it at the beginning and I'll say it now. Since Legacy hugged me and said, I love you. And I mean it truly like from the bottom of my heart, I love you guys. I really, really am super grateful. Um, if punch kick chat, choke chat never happens again, I don't care because I know that I'm, our commitment to each other is going to stay the same. And I'm super grateful for that. I'm blessed, just totally grateful and totally blessed to have, be doing this with everybody. And 
I know we're going to do other great things in the future. Like this is just one of the many great mm. things we're going to be doing. Right. We've done great things in the past. We're doing great things now. We're going to do great things in the future. So yeah, that's my thought and really love the questions and the conversation we had tonight. Super deep, really mm -hmm. deep. Nothing skipped across the surface. It's like a rock that just sunk to the bottom of the ocean with every question. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Sensei. Um, yeah, I'm going to run with that idea even a little further. Like Sydney kind of brought up the word, like she said, you know, you men. And I just, you know, I can't thank you three enough for, for the lessons through perspective, but for being role models of what a man is. And when I, you know, when I was a kid in the seventies and eighties, like masculine meant one thing. It was pretty narrow. It was a good thing, but it was a narrow thing. And it didn't fit me. But these days when, you know, here we are talking about 3am phone calls about, am I having a panic attack? Am I not? I love you hugging each other. And for me, the idea that the three toughest men on the planet that I know, masculinity and masculine includes that. And what a beautiful thing to have role models who can hug each other, say, I love you. I'm here for you. You got a couch when you need it. Um, I just love the idea that that's included and, uh, and, and that the sense of what it is to be a man grows. And with you as my role models, that keeps happening. So I appreciate that very much. Sensei Dofan, tell us about uh, our next while. So I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to tell you who we're going to be talking to in the next couple of weeks. But what I will tell you is that we've worked on some other formats for punch, kick, joke, chat. Right. So, and we've been talking about this for a while where we want to expand the, the audience a bit of who we're talking to and how we do this. And so there's no punch, kick, choke chat, so to speak next week, but what's going to happen next week is something's going to drop. You're going to get Ooh. a short, you're going to get a punch, kick, choke chat short where nobody was allowed to participate in it except for the guests. Right. And I'll give you a bit more of a teaser. Sensei Copeland's involved. And we had a great conversation about rank and what high rank is and what a good rank is and what rank responsibility is. And uh, we're going to post that next week. And you can just watch it on YouTube. You can share it out. You can do whatever you want. But you won't be able to ask any questions, sadly. Mm. <laughs> right? And so we're going to keep that format going. We're organizing another one. And we're going to take a week off. And then I promise you that the week after that, we're going to do two more guests to be named soon. We're going to do two more guests and another host chat. And uh, we keep talking about it. Maybe the host chat won't involve anybody else. It'll just be us. But I got to yeah. say tonight, I was super happy that Jesse and Sydney asked questions and were really willing to turn their camera on. And I hope other people want to do that. We want to hear yeah. from you. Doesn't matter if you're a white belt. Doesn't matter if you're a 10th in, in in some other system, we want to hear your question and hear your opinion on things. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Sensei. Really coming. appreciate that. And uh, as always, I just want to thank the people who helped make this happen. That's Robert Schlumsky, Victoria Feth, Alden Adair, Andre Sedeshev, Justin Shea. Oh my God, who am I forgetting? Who, let's see if I can pull this out. Victoria, Robert, Alden, Andre, Justin. Oh my God. Okay. Mike Bear Russell. with me. My, what's that? Mike Russell. Russell. Fuck. Russell. Jesus Christ. Russell, I'm so sorry. I'll make that up for you with some sushi. 
Yeah, he's lovable but forgettable. Uh, he's quite, yeah. uh, love your Russell story about that brother I'm trying to get off book for this one and that was my stumble through um, thanks everybody for watching the show tonight I feel the same what a treat to be here thanks for those questions and we'll see you uh, for some special drops and when we're back rock and roll